Welcome to SEC Football Live. My name is Braden Gall. He is SEC Mike, of course. You can watch us on that SEC podcast YouTube page. You can also watch us on the 440 Sports YouTube page. Already in the comments, Bo and Travis, do appreciate you guys. Slide on over if you're watching on that SEC podcast. We're going to have a ton of bowl previews and ranking the programs coming up on the on the YouTube page on 440 Sports. So come check that out, which will include, of course, the University of Texas. That's right. Hook them and Oklahoma. I think they're officially in the SEC. I know it's not till like July 1st of next year, but now that the season's over, they are officially, you know, SEC teams. We'll talk about the playoff matchups a little bit as sort of how how do our picks and predictions evolve. Uh, yes, William, how about Will Levis last night? Uh, UK showing out in the NFL. All those Tennessee fans who are also Titans fans, uh, very torn on watching Will Levis do something that no other quarterback, no other team in NFL history has ever done on Monday night. But this is a college football show. So we're going to talk about Jaden Daniels. Congratulations to the LSU quarterback on winning the Heisman Trophy. I'll give you my ballot. Uh, we can look ahead to next year. We've got some portal news as well. And I think one of the what we will spend a few minutes remembering Mike Leach. Today was the anniversary of his tragic passing on December 12th of last year, immediately following the weekend following uh, or two weekends following the Egg Bowl, I guess. And uh, just uh, a, a guy that I actually had a chance to work with, Mike. Um, I know you've been around him as well. And we'll, we'll we'll just take a moment to remember one of the the most important, and I think I think maybe the most influential mind in the modern era of college football. So I'll make the case for that again, just in honor of, of the anniversary of his passing last year. So we'll get into that. And then I'm, I'm really excited to get your thoughts, Mike, on 2024 playoff contenders from the SEC. Who could be next year's Missouri? Who, who is, who is the next next year's Ole Miss? Maybe it's Missouri and Ole Miss. <laughs> so uh, we'll get to that as well on the show today. So a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, on the program mike how are you man uh first weekend without football are you doing okay uh no no i'm not Braden. but at least the sec did not disappoint me so like they did so many times this football season but uh i'm actually busy trying to watch michigan and washington trying to figure out what in the hell they got going on i, I rewatched texas alabama last night Ooh, what'd you learn that was that was a fun game. Well, Jalen Miller wasn't fully formed yet. He was still in his uh, toddler phase. He looked like he needed to be benched. I mean, I don't know how it's <laughs> going to work out for him, but it was not looking good that day for uh, Alabama. I'll tell you that. He he threw a pretty big touchdown pass to take the lead in the second half, though, uh, for a guy in his second start. Uh, but clearly, Jalen Milrow has made major strides and is a different player today. And we could have an All SEC Championship game <laughs> and a rematch. Of, oh, that yeah. football, of that football game that you just mentioned. Has anything changed in your mind um, when you saw the bracket come out and, you know, Michigan was a slight favorite, Texas a couple of point favorite over Washington. Um, the in, I think the immediate pick for me was I grabbed Bama plus two and a half real fast. Um, I don't know how they stopped Jalen Milrow. I don't know how they create uh, offense and space against Alabama. Uh, I, my, my instinct was Texas has, has too good of a defensive line, stops Dylan Johnson forces Michael Penix to have to throw the football. I think that could be a more complicated matchup, but I was leaning Alabama-Texas. Do you have – has anything changed now that we're two weeks removed from those matchups being set? Nope. It's going to be Bam on Texas. Come on now. I don't even know why we're playing. I, I'm trying to figure no, out – No, you've done a bunch of film study. You know you know stuff now about Washington and Michigan. No, What'd you not learn? really. Nothing. I, I'm just <laughs> trying to figure out how we left Georgia out, if we're going with the four best. But 
I guess that's a different conversation for a different day. We, but we already had that one the entire week last week. I know, but well, hell, they keep saying the four best, don't they? Uh, which I don't know if that's even true or why they keep saying that. But if that's what it is, should have been Georgia. But uh, no, I, I, I think last year, I'm trying to think. Last year was probably the best semifinal, the worst final, but the the best semifinals we ever got. And I think this this season has an opportunity to match it. I, I really do, and with hopefully a better final. I I, I would agree, um, and I think I, I I do think it's strange if you actually ask me who the four best teams are. I might have Georgia at one. That's how that's how weird it is, because I do think they got three of the best four. And uh, listen, I know um, Bo says this on in the comments. Texas better take Washington seriously. Penix is no joke. Going to be on a mission after getting the snub. I mean, they got in, they're undefeated. They won the conference. He, he did not deserve the Heisman in my opinion. I'll give you my ballot in a second. So maybe that's part of his motivation. They are a very talented team. Their offense is incredibly well coached. They have some the NFL players along at, out, out at receiver. But I, I think the issue I have with Washington is that their defense is by far the worst unit of any of the four teams in the playoff. And I would include Georgia in that conversation. And that's going to be my ultimate question is, can they get stops? against Texas. Meanwhile, Texas has two just monstrosities on the interior of their defensive line that no one's really been able to run at. And part of Washington's success in a lot of low scoring games this year has been running the football with Dylan Johnson. And I don't know if they're going to, they're going to have to get on the edge the way they did against Oregon in the PAC 12 championship game. But I'm, I haven't changed any much. I, I'm, I'm Bama and I'm Texas. And I think those are the two better teams. I do think Georgia, like my order would be like Georgia one, uh, Georgia one, Michigan two, Texas three, Alabama four would probably be my four. If you were to tell me who are the four best teams in college football, Braden, do we live in a world where Georgia was one win away from winning three natties in a row to a world where their top quarterback says, see your ass on Nebraska. And they're not even a playoff team. If Carson Beck turns pro, could this be the reality we're living in here in Athens? Are you talking about a player who is not yet on campus? <laughs> <laughs> and uh d d well is it, more uh, importantly Carson Beck going pro but if you if he's goes pro then you don't have his elite freshman I don't know I mean we I don't know I I, I so, would be so concerned. Donovan Donovan Raiola right the former offensive lineman for Nebraska his son Dylan Raiola number one player in the country uh obviously Nebraska was a finalist so if he he decommitted and I, I is there here's the question is there a chance that six seven eight years from now we look back on this two-week window and we say that that was when it started to not fall apart. It's not the right word, but like just the dynasty, the dominance, whatever you want to call it, was sort of it, it cracked. It broke, whatever. I think that's about a five to ten percent chance. I, I have I am not Brock Vandergriff. I know is out of there. Um, I would not be surprised if if um, they were just fine at quarterback next year. Carson Becker, otherwise, because I've talked to guys like uh, Mike Griffith, who's covered you know this league for a long time. He's he's you know he just made the point. You you never think it's over, and then it's over, and it and it crumbles quickly. And I was talking, and I made the joke. It was just a joke, but I made the joke. You know, I've been saying Alabama decaying dynasty all year. I flipped it to Georgia after they lost that game, and a Florida fan reached out and said, "Well, you know, when we lost to Bama." Tebow senior year, we didn't think it was the dynasty. Our budding dynasty was, and it was, it was over basically immediately. 
Well, you know what I mean? Like you never you never see the end coming. And once well, it gets there, it can happen quickly. I think it's an interesting point. I think it's a good point um, to mention Florida. I do think there's a unique circumstance in the form of a giant piece of human debris, Urban Meyer, that is a factor in that, that I don't, you know, unless unless the off-the-field stuff, it, Florida happens at Georgia. I mean, a- Alabama and well, Nick Saban have shown that they know how to You are a man things. who has, for all off-season, said, we got some serious off-field issues in Athens. Fair, True or false? Uh, I said the distractions could cost them the national championship, just in general, the noise. Oh, okay. And and I don't know if I'm right on that. I don't think I was. I think Alabama was just better, but yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it was the noise that caused Georgia to lose. Um, but if they keep having a bunch of players arrested for 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 this the speeding shit, and they keep doing this stuff, then you know that's fine. That's not the same as what Urban do you. What if trying to compare anybody to Urban Meyer is a fool's errand? Urban Meyer's run at Florida is like it is legendary. What if for the old Athens PD though, Clark County, they're like, we didn't win at all, boys. We're bringing the hammer down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that sounds right. We'll we'll let you get away with whatever you want, but short of killing people and and whatnot. But oh, oh, that's that's what that's that's the difference. Killing people. They even well, they allowed that in Gainesville. Seemingly, that's what I'm saying. That's not the same as speeding. Although tragically, people did die, but that was not the same thing. Let's be very honest. Um, no, I don't I, like. Look, Seth Emerson wrote this too. He's a friend of mine. He's a friend of yours. Uh, I don't want to comment on other people you've mentioned on the show and their hot take shtick that means nothing to me. I, I think that Emerson wrote the same thing. He basically wrote, "Look, could we look back?" on this particular couple of weeks stretch and 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 see that it defined the future of Georgia football maybe but it's really 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 unlikely and i think that's ultimately where we're at uh, if this is a tw- if this is a 12 team playoff do you want to play georgia fuck no i would also say that uh gunner stockton he's a year younger than brock vandegrift i think he's a better prospect right i like, think they're fine yeah. so i think they're fine I, I'm just asking the I'm asking the questions, Braden. I'm not giving the answers. Oh, what a what a noble gesture! <laughs> You're such a fine and upstanding gentleman and scholar. Uh, mm-hmm. I do appreciate it. Uh, okay, so nothing's changed. We're both Bama. We're both Texas. A couple of weeks removed. We'll have lots of time to preview these games uh, moving forward for sure. So um, wait, let me ask you real quick on that though. Sure. Because because that's kind of boring that we're both same teams. I think I don't, and I think it'll be an epic championship. How uh, surprised would you be? I, I guess is the word. If Michigan won, yeah, let, let's go with that for now. How surprised would you be if Michigan, not the national championship, but just beat Alabama in a Rose Bowl? Maybe out of uh, you know one out of ten. What what level of surprise? Well, so it's funny. Like my instinct is, I don't know six seven because like my instinct is that alabama right now is playing the best football of any of these four teams i think they are the best of these what four about teams. the iron bowl though i i mean i get it everybody i mean maryland almost beat michigan i mean everybody everybody has sort of those off moments and and especially in the iron bowl i don't think it i think the rivalry and being on the road is, is a bigger yeah. factor than people think but but again they needed a, a, a miracle to win um i but I do think that Alabama, much like we've talked about all season, does have flaws that, that are mm-hmm. concerning to me. And it, I do think some of those flaws have gotten better. The, the receiving core has been more consistent. The running game was more consistent. The offensive line played one of its best games against Georgia. I, I think Michigan has the horses and the dudes to make it a dirty, dirty football game. 
I don't know how you stop Jalen Milrow. Like I don't, I don't know what players for Michigan. They don't have the speed at linebacker or at safety that they used to have, or mm-hmm. a corner that they even last year's team had more speed at those positions for Michigan. So I'm not, I'm not like I would not be, I would not be a huge surprise, but I also don't see a matchup that favors them. And what about I, what what about the same question? Texas, Washington. What what level of surprise if Washington beat nothing. Texas? No nothing. surprise. I mean, mild, but but none. I mean, I think. I think Texas is the better football team. I think Washington has the worst unit, as I've said. I think going back to the Michigan thing, I think the way they win the game is like this uh, intangible thing. Like like Clemson needed to lose to Alabama in the championship game in 2015 to come back and beat Alabama in 2016. Uh, Ohio State in 2014. I was on the floor of the Sugar Bowl during media days all that week building up to that first playoff game. That, that first New Year's Eve night or New Year's Day Alabama Ohio State game that was not an elite Alabama team like like Philip Sims was your quarterback or excuse me Blake Sims was your quarterback Mm. and I mean they had an elite running game with Derrick Henry but that Ohio State team took it personally that the SEC had won all these championships right like they it was personal 02 Ohio State broke through and beat an elite Miami team 05 Texas mostly on the back of Vince Young broke through and finally kind of exercised some 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 Texas demons Long way of saying sometimes a team has been there enough times that like they just say enough is enough and they just go out and play their best possible game because they finally know what it takes to win that game. And Michigan has lost twice now in situations last year. They shouldn't have with the same quarterback, with a lot of the same people, <laughs> it, you know, us against the world garbage, which is complete horseshit. But like it's an intangible thing. You know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. that I think Michigan could could call on. That's the only way I think they win is if they go out and play their absolute perfect game because three years of this shit and they're done with it. But otherwise, I don't know how they stop Jalen Milrow. I don't know how they run the football with Blake Corum against the great Alabama defense. I, I just I think they have to play a perfect game. I, Washington and Texas, we've seen Texas, you know, the Houston game, the TCU game, the Iowa State game. Like they've had some they've had more inconsistency than I think Alabama has of late. If that yeah. makes sense. No, I think. I think I would agree. I, I don't. Texas shit in a bed wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, uh, when you put it that way, <laughs> Alabama, that would stun me. Yeah, I'd be more surprised. Yeah, and what's odd is that Texas is a four and a half, five point favorite, and Alabama's an underdog. Like it, it actually makes Vegas is the opposite of that. So, mm, well, all right. Anyway, they're a lot right, so, richer than I. Yeah, yeah, they they build those pyramids out of solid gold for a reason. Um, okay, so Jaden Daniels, congratulations on the Heisman Trophy, 503 first place votes. He was on 90.5% of all ballots. That is the seventh most number of ballots. I don't know what to say to the 9.5% of voters that did not have him on a ballot. That seems odd to me. I, I'm okay if you didn't vote for him as the winner. Um, but man, I the fifth transfer in the last seven years. To win the Heisman Trophy, what's interesting is that those guys never, outside of, ironically, LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, uh, they never win the, the the national championship. So they can transfers win the Heisman all the time, but they rarely win the national championship. Um, again, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow, are, are, and Jacob Coker are the only three, I think, in the last 30 years that have done it. Uh, Michael Penix finishes second, of course. Bo Nix third, uh, another SEC quarterback. Uh, Marvin Harrison, Jordan Travis, Jalen Milrow, Ollie Gordon, Cody Schrader with a first-place vote. Shout out to Cody Schrader, M-I-Z. Uh, and uh, Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy round out the top ten. What would your ballot been? Um, you know, 
Hell, I don't know. I mean, Jane Daniels, certainly number one. Okay. Cody Schrader, probably number two. And then maybe Bo Nix, because he used to play in the SEC. But uh, Give me he, a real ballot. Come on. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not qualified I, you know, Why not? If, if they if they asked me to be a Heisman voter, I would tell them no. Not that they'd ever ask me, but just because I don't watch the other teams. But you know what was my main takeaway? And th- this is kind of this is kind of off the wall here, but they had a really good documentary, Thirty for Thirty, on the '97 Heisman Woodson uh, Heisman, Heisman yeah. race, and it seemed like it was a bigger deal then. You know. I, and it maybe is. it's just because it was, it was the documentary. I don't know. But it it kind of – that was like the times when I was like falling in love with college football, and I and I appreciated that. And it seemed like it was a it was a topic where like 100 people were in the race. And then they would they would narrow it down, and it was like a horse race, obviously, that, that yeah. Woodson stole at the end. We don't have to rehash that. But uh, – Turns out he's what, an NFL Hall of Famer too. So Was it – was it uh, was it a bigger deal back in? Do you think? I mean, I don't know. It just it seems like, like here's I had this conversation with someone on another show where, basically, Jay Nails won it because Bo Nix had a bad Pac-12 championship. At least that that was my feeling, and I I don't think that's I don't think that's how we should be giving out Heisman's. Is because the one national spotlight game and, and Bo Nix came up short. It's like okay, give it to the other guy. Like, what the hell are we doing here? It, it just seems like it's every week there's a winner. And then well, it's, it, it's like whoever the favorite is, it's, it's their, 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 their job to lose it. It's not to win it. it. It's really weird how they do it. Well, I think the, the 350-250 game or whatever it was against Florida was, was kind of winning it. Now, here's what I would say about the argument. First of all, MIZ says, explain why Schrader in the top five is so crazy. If he wore a crimson jersey with his stats and results, you'd have selected him first. No, that's not true. Uh, I don't have a problem with Cody Schrader being in the top five. I'm fine with if you want to vote him there. I would not vote him number two. That, that's all. I think that's, as Mike has admitted, that's him being an SEC homer and not having watched anybody else. Uh, I had it down to two guys at the at, at going in. So here's the issue. I I, I agree that but I, to me, you cannot look at the voting. Michael Penix with 292 first place votes and Bo Nix finishing a pretty distant third, like really distant third. It, it doesn't strike me as had he won that game, which he almost did, right? Had he won that game, that those votes would have switched so drastically. I don't think that happened. So I think that Penix was viewed by voters ahead of Knicks, regardless of what happened in that championship game. And so I, I don't think either of them would have. Ju- I don't think had Knicks had a great game, would he have jumped Jaden Daniels? So I, I disagree with your premise that that's what affected his st- status. For me personally, I voted Jaden Daniels number one. I voted Bo Nix number two for me personally, who has watched both of their, every single one of their games this year, I had them tied going into the final weekend. And if Bo Nix, it was going to be the tiebreaker. So it wasn't the decision. Like it, that game wasn't the reason I voted for one guy or the other, but it was going to be the t- kind of the tiebreaker, the way head to head is a tiebreaker for the committee, right? Like if two teams have even resumes, Texas and Alabama, even resumes, you know, even I'm going to put Texas ahead one spot because they 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 won the head to head. It's the tiebreaker. That's how I viewed it. Mm. Uh, do you want to you want to guess who I voted number number three? I just like doing this because Joe, Joe Milton. Yes, you got you got it. Yeah. <laughs> I know you hate Joe Milton, so 
I don't hate any college football player. <laughs> they're college football players. <laughs> they're they're how about Jordan Travis? I did not vote for Jordan Travis. Oh. I don't I don't know. Cody Schrader. Uh Jalen Milrow was my third name on the Oh ballot. yeah, that makes sense. Uh four first place votes, eight. Uh, second place votes 45 third he was on 57 ballots he was on mine mm. i just thought he was i just thought he 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 was the most unstoppable like player who also carried his team to championships and made key plays and had the statistical production and w- did it in the big games like he did it against Ole Miss he did it again against A&M in the second half he did it against Tennessee in the second half he did it against he dominated Kentucky on the road he made the throw that was you can say it was a miracle throw, but the but the gravedigger throw by Jalen Milrow was a play he made. <laughs> and then he beat Georgia in the second half by by being both a great quarterback, passer, and runner. I just thought Milrow was deserving. This uh, so, citizen, he thinks you're the guy that voted the Michigan quarterback one. I I would I would never. <laughs> I would if I no I wouldn't but. I, I would vote Cody. I would vote Cody Schrader over JJ McCarthy a hundred times. No, Blake Blake Corum. I I if I went ten deep, I would probably have Blake Corum on my ballot. It, it, 10, 10 players. Yes. Um, Ollie Gordon at Oklahoma State, really really good player. Um, Marvin Harrison, I would have right there. Michael Penix, I would have right there. But my ballot was Jaden Daniels one, uh, Bo Nix two, and I voted for Jalen Milrow. So I was one of the one of the fifty seven ballots with which Jalen Milrow was on the was on the ballot so what what's the process of being a heisman voter are you allowed to talk about i mean there i know there's sure. it's, it's so secretive and everything and and people you know they give apparently they give out so many you know p- ballots so to speak so a lot of unqualified people certainly not throwing you into that but um i'm, I'm just curious how that do they it's is only it like is it like secret or or how no, it's, they, not, it's not really that secret and they have to sort of reaffirm you every year Make sure you're paying attention and covering games. And like they ask questions like, how many games do you do, are you watching per week? Like there's there's surveys and stuff that they do. I don't think it's all that secret. The only thing that's secret is that once you vote, you can't tell people what you voted because they obviously want to unveil the award and, and have it be a surprise for everybody. So that's really the only thing. Like is they keep it, they keep the voting process very secretive. There's only about what um about nine eight eight or nine hundred people that vote on it. Um, there's a big chunk that come from the regional area and then there's a national pool and I'm in the, I'm in the national pool. Actually, ironically, I'm not in the Southern, hmm. my vote doesn't go into the Southern pool. I go into the national pool. Well, you know, when you work in the national media, like me for 20 years, that's where you get put Mike, you know, well, people market, market leaders everywhere on my, on my resume. Yeah. I was not going to go there, but a lot of people in the national media. Huh? <laughs> no. you know, they watch a lot more football games than you do, that big guy. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, that's fine. I watch the best football, so I'm good. Uh, I, I can't disagree with you there. Um, Jordan Travis finishing fifth, and then Florida State posting a clip like, "Hey, Jordan Travis, fifth place finish." I thought that was pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on social media, Cody Schrader deserves it, man. Uh, Cody Schrader deserves it. Oh, here's another. If you'd like to know Citizen X, if you'd like to know how that process works. They, they draw a cutoff where the voting drops off and they only invite, it's not a set number. It's not just three or five or four. They invite the number of people that are statistically uh, like capable of winning. And then they, where the, where the drop off happens, which in this case was after Marvin Harrison, that's why they it, it brought four people. Cause sometimes there'll be six guys there. Sometimes there'll be three guys there. So Cody Schrader, Jalen Milrow, not invited because they were not even close. They, they just, they weren't even close. Schrader was on 25 ballots. Milrow was on 57 ballots. 
Um, and then you look at Harrison, he was on like 300 ballots. You see what I'm saying? Like there's a, there's a mm-hmm. drop off. Um, and then they only invite the number, like where the statistical cutoff is kind of, if that makes sense. So. Have you ever had the opportunity to go to the, uh, to one of the ceremonies? I have, I have, I covered, uh, Troy Smith beating Darren McFadden, uh, in the 06 Heisman ceremony. We were there, uh, inside the room. It was, it was, I mean, to your point about the award being cooler when we were young, um, I agree. I think the, the, the Rashawn Salam, Cordell Stewart, Michael Westbrook, Colorado team with the Hail Mary against Michigan. And I think Rashawn Salam won the Heisman that year, 94. That was sort of the year I remember being like, oh, this award is insane. Like it's, it's cool as shit. And then getting to cover one in 06 was like a kind of a dream. You know, I was like a second year kid out of college working at rivals.com at the time and getting to cover that was like super, super cool. Um, or maybe it was 07. I can't remember which year. I think it was 06. Um, Cause 07 Tebow won it. And then, and when that, when, and when somebody said, Hey, we would like you to be a voter. I was, I was like, hell yeah, I'll take it seriously. And I want, I I'm honored to do it. So I, I do think the quarterback thing is like, we just give it to the greatest quarterback a lot of times. And that kind of, I wish we could get away from that, but I mean, you saw my ballot. I put three freaking quarterbacks on there. So, well, one year they gave it to the a defensive player. And they, they, <laughs> it's been controversial ever since. I, I had Will Anderson. I, I had Will. I think I voted. I have to go back and check my ballot, but I think I had Will Anderson and Aiden Hutchinson on my ballot that year. Uh, as, what as, what I, about the Sioux year? Did you vote for him? Have you had I, a vote? I was not, I was not voting for him in like 2002. Mm. <laughs> I wasn't in college or whatever. Was it that long ago? Man, maybe I'm old. In, well, maybe it wasn't 02. Uh, no, 20, I think it was 2010. Maybe 2010 or 11, because it was they beat Nebraska beat Texas because Indomitian Sue like had one of the most spectacular football games you've ever seen mm-hmm. in the big in the Big Twelve championship game. Um, now McFadden is probably that that one was sort of like that that's the that's one of those times where you go, man, the best quarterback on the best team won the award over the best player. Darren McFadden was clearly the best player that year. Oh yeah, um, and so I mean McFadden's one of the most elite running backs I've ever seen covering the game. He's up there. Mm-hmm. Adrian, Adrian Peterson and a bunch of others. Herschel and Bo. Um, okay. <clears throat> uh, quickly, let's take a second here to remember uh, Mike Leach. One year ago today, he passed away. Uh, tragic. College football lost uh, a, an absolutely brilliant personality type. I, I used to interview him back in like 05, 06, 07, same kind of era. Um, he would just make us laugh constantly. I got to work with him for one year at Sirius XM where we were a co-host together. He would, during commercial breaks, Mike, he would take his headset off, put it down on the table. He was living in Key West. I could hear him drop the headset on the table. And during a commercial break, I could hear him walk through his porch, <laughs> jump into his pool, <laughs> get, get out of his pool and walk back to the set and put his headset on like soaking wet in a towel and a bathing suit. And do and do a show, and you could not get him to talk about football. You couldn't do it. It was impossible. It's kind of like working <laughs> with you. <laughs> nice. So, hey, that's the nicest compliment anyone's ever given me—the the pirate. But yeah, I mean, yeah, what a character. He's the only one doing my show. I I don't know how long now—five, six seasons. But he's the only one, the only coach that we yeah. would play their clips when they when they weren't even in the conference, and just kind of. Just hoped and prayed that someday yep. he'd find his way to the SEC, and and he did, and it 
it lived up to uh, exceeded even exceeded the all the hype that we had been talking about with just just a comedic goal that he'd give us and yep. you know people overlook the fact sometimes just because of how unique he was but i mean he was a damn winner and, and i don't know how he did it because it like he said it seemed like football was uh, not even near the top of his high priority list in this, in an era where, I mean, some coaches get drug if like their family doesn't live within driving distance of, of where they're currently, uh, you know, going to work in and, and things of that nature. I mean, it's just so ultra competitive yet he found a way to, to make Mississippi state not only relevant, but uh, you know, a tough, tough out week in and week out. He was, I don't think there'll ever be another one quite like Mike Leach. I don't think so either. Um, he, he, he sort of had his like moments of like imperfection when he talked about like when he was at Washington state and he was talking about like all the fat little girlfriends need to stop making their players happy or whatever. And he got in hot water. He did some stuff, you know, on Twitter at Mississippi state that got him in trouble, but he, like, he was just sort of unapologetically himself at all times and at all. And he was a genuinely nice person. Um, doesn't, you know, we all kind of have our mistakes on Twitter or whatever, but, um, here, here's what I will say, uh, about Leach to your point about how he did it. I think this is ultimately the thing that people need to remember about him. Cause we all remember the, the quotes and the quirkiness and the funny stories. And he told us a story about like, ma like th these mountains in Wyoming when he was a track athlete as a high school player and like how they would find dead bodies in these mountains. He told us a story <laughs> He told us a story about how there's this tournament in Brazil where you have to surf with with shorts on that protect you from animals swimming up your junk. And he couldn't figure out how to say it on the air. And he was like stumbling <laughs> through it because he didn't, he didn't want to say like penis like on the air. <laughs> um, and and I think but but through all of that, I think the thing people need to remember about him more. He, he is the most influential football mind of our generation. Full stop. You cannot watch a game on Friday night. You cannot watch a game on Saturday night. You cannot watch a game on Sunday night anymore without seeing Mike Leach's air raid. The RPO is coming is, is directly coming off the air raid. The zone read comes directly off the air raid. Uh, I, I've talked to a lot of coordinators around the country and when he passed away last year, and almost everybody said there is no one that is more influential from a schematic standpoint at changing the game of football than Mike Leach. Now, I think Mike Leach was too stubborn to add the power rushing attack to his own offense. <laughs> and I think he was like, no, I'm going to do it my way. And it's why he never won a championship, like championship stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the X's and O's of anybody doing the, the Art Brile system and the Baylor system that Lane Kiffin runs, that Josh Heupel runs, that Jeff Levy's going to run, it all comes from Mike Leach. It all comes from Mike Leach. And what he was doing at Kentucky under Hal Mummy in the late 90s with Tim Couch changed football forever and i don't think anyone's ever been more influential during our era than mike leach so i think that's one of the things we need to remember most about him yeah well said i think i'll remember some of the funny quotes more than that but <laughs> to each their own you know but i mean but it's important to remember the the substance too you know what i mean like yeah oh no i got you i i just like the fact that he could take seemingly any quarterback and make them yeah. One of the most productive in the country, you know, because of his scheme, you, the Miami Dolphins and not to 
you know, they lost last night, so that's a, maybe it's a bad example. But the Miami Dolphins have one of the best offenses in football history, any level of football. And almost all of that stuff comes from Mike Leach, schematically. It's uh, Lane Kiffin. All of Lane Kiffin's system is is right off the Mike Leach tree. It, it all comes off Mike Leach. So, yeah, I'm looking at some of these court like uh, Anthony Gordon. <laughs> I mean, Gardner Minshew, right? Yeah, Indiana Minshew was there the year before. I'm just going through so Luke Falk. I mean, and look at his coaching tree. All quarterbacks at Texas Tech: Graham Harrell, Cliff Kingsbury, Sonny Cumbie. Like these guys are all coordinators and coaches now out there. Mm-hmm. It's insane. All right. Do you want to talk about uh, college towns? Because the comments are fucking going crazy right now. Sure. Co- all right. So I lived in, I, I lived in Austin and I moved from Austin to Nashville. And Austin is a great city. It is not a college town. It is a big city. It's a big city. And neither now, is Nashville, right? I wouldn't count Nashville as a college town, although Vanderbilt's mm-hmm. so small <laughs> that maybe it counts. Um, but I my 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 personal favorites um are Athens, are Auburn, and are Oxford. Those would be my three personal favorites. But if I'm going to a game, I'm going to Baton Rouge. That's where I'm going. Hmm. Interesting. That's a that's a different energy at Baton Rouge. Like it's not it doesn't have the same like charm that I think Oxford and 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 Auburn have. Uh, but there are some podunk towns to to one of our commenters uh, <laughs> comments. <laughs> there are some podunk towns. Uh, I college station, Starkville. Okay, fine. Uh, Columbia is not a particularly big city in, in Missouri, but Fayetteville's very charming. Uh, I think Oxford's very charming. I think is, Auburn's which, very is charming. Is Knoxville even a college town anymore? I mean, it's, it's it, getting kind of big. It, it, I mean, it's too, I think it's too big to be, a, I mean, they're all college towns because they're not major metropolitan areas, but Knoxville and Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina are all fairly large cities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, I like the ones that are extremely small, but still have charm. Like the, the way Oxford has so much charm and history, Auburn has so much charm and history. I think Fayetteville is in that group. I think Fayetteville has a ton of charm and is, is a very nice place. But I do like the restaurant options in Lexington. I do like that. Mm-hmm. They got some good. They got some good restaurants. I Airbnb'd one time, Mike, uh, a horse farm. What in Lexington? <laughs> Me and three buddies went up for the Railbird Festival, and we we got an Airbnb that was out like amongst the horse farms, and we we you know we pulled up down the driveway, and there's just like horses everywhere. <laughs> we were like little Mister Hands action up there, huh? We were like, all right, now we're in Lexington, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go mm. steal a horse. <laughs> I don't think I. I don't think I would be on board with that. To be honest with you, it was fun. It was fun. It was a beautiful house. It was fun. Uh, okay. Um, you want to get into teams next year that can potentially crack the threshold, twelve team playoff. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, who is set up? Who is set up to be next year's Missouri and Ole Miss? And is it just? Missouri and Ole Miss. I think it's definitely Ole Miss. Okay. Make your case. Well, I mean, hell, they only lost two games this year, right? Both on the road at Bama and at Georgia, who many people have as the two best. You could throw Missouri in there. I think that's fair. But a lot of players coming back. And how about this? So this is a leak schedule, Braden. I don't know if this is accurate. We'll find out tomorrow. But 
non-conference for Ole Miss, Furman, MTSU, at Wake Forest, Georgia Southern. I mean, oh, no. it doesn't it doesn't get any easier than that in the SEC. Kentucky at home, at South Carolina, at LSU, Oklahoma at home, at Arkansas, Georgia at home, at Florida, Mississippi State at home. I would argue, Braden, in a 12-team format, at LSU, Oklahoma at, at home, Georgia at home, as long as you take care of the rest of the schedule, you, you just you got to win one of those. And I think Ole Miss is probably going to go to the, the playoff. And they've got – you said they've got Mississippi State, obviously. They've got Florida. They've got um, – mm-hmm. I didn't hear who else you said. I don't Kentucky, South Carolina, Arkansas. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, agree. They should beat all these teams. I agree. If they go one and two against LSU, Oklahoma, and Georgia, and right now Oklahoma doesn't have their coordinator or their quarterback from last year, mm-hmm. LSU is not going to have a Heisman Trophy winner. It's two superstar receivers. And a bunch of defensive front players, but LSU's loaded, so they might mm-hmm. they should be able to rebound. But if you can go one, you lose to Georgia, and you go one and one against LSU and Oklahoma. I agree. I agree with you. I think Ole Miss is at the top of the list. The, I, I I do want to know, like, because Cody Schrader meant so much to Missouri. Like like Burden's back. Like all those guys are like Missouri is going to be very very good. Um, can they replicate last year? Did the East Division schedule help them to some degree? You know what I mean? Like, like they did have to play LSU and crossover, but they played the East and Arkansas, and then they lost to Georgia and LSU. So I don't, I don't know. I think, I think Missouri's in the same conversation. Slim's asking how many SEC teams we think will make the playoff. I mean, I, I guess it, w- it would certainly change year by year, but is it safe to say three, maybe four, depending on how how? Do Do you mean like or... best case scenario? Uh. Well, yeah, I don't know. Nick, what do we, what do we average? What do we think here? Because because that'll kind of firm my my well, opinion you, on other teams here. Who who would have gotten in this year? You would have had Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Missouri, right? So four would have gotten in this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, you would have had the top three would have been Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, right? And then number four, I think, was LSU, but they had four losses. Well, I guess it was three before the SEC championship well, game, which they would not have. Pl- they would not have played the SEC championship game. Look at it this way: so Brady, they would have been it, nine and three. I and this is. I realize this is not how they're going to do it. I guess, but I'm just looking at the top thirteen right now in the in the playoff poll: Texas, Bama, Georgia, oh, shit, Mizzou, Oklahoma. Ole Miss, Oklahoma, six, and then number thirteen is LSU. So, I mean. Again, I don't know if they're going to go strictly off records or or rankings or conference championships, but I mean, if if we were just going off the rankings, there would be half the damn field would have been SEC. I I think it te- yes, Miz. Technically, it's an eleven team playoff, and then the G five gets the twelve spot, which again this year would have included four SEC teams. It, it would have been Ole Miss and Missouri would have made the cut. Um, LSU would not have. I think on average, in a in a in a traditional SEC, you're going to get three to four. Adding Texas and Oklahoma, I think, bumps that up one spot. So I think you're now in four to five range every every year. <laughs> That's gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what happens? What happens uh, when like the final four is Alabama, Georgia, Texas, and and like Ohio State? It's gonna it's be like that like every every other year. You know what I mean? Like they, the first round should just always be SEC versus another conference. 
And then the SEC is going to win about 80% of those games. And then we'll filter it down to, to, to see who's the best in the SEC is, is all we're really going to be doing. Well, Bobby says FSU would go crazy if the SEC had five or six teams in the playoff. But if you really think about the, the true blue bloods in college football, and you look at the teams who win national championships over the last 30 years, or even 40 years, going back to, let's say, 90 and 91, when it was like Washington, Colorado, Georgia Tech, and Miami. Like, take those two years out of it. Start with 92 and Bama. And from 92 on, it's largely been the same, like, 14 or 15 teams. And if you look at who those 14 or 15 teams are, it's Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Texas, and Oklahoma. And right, then you but, get two from the ACC, Clemson and Florida State. Should you get we Ohio State in the Big Ten? You get USC out west, and that's it. I think college football has changed enough in the in the just very recent history, where it doesn't really matter what happened the last twenty years. You know what I mean? Like, may it may just be the next the last two years. That thanks to portal, thanks to NIL, I think it, it is. I think it kind of opens everything up, and that's where it, you get a Mizzou and an Ole Miss. Coming in here and crashing the party. I do agree that, and Kentucky would have been there on, with Will Levis two, three years ago when they were 10 and 2. Like, they would have gotten in. Ten, Tennessee, again, two years ago would have gotten in. Now, Tennessee's a blue blood. I would put them in the blue blood category. Uh, I, I do agree that the, the portal and NIL has allowed other teams to, to stay more relevant more often. And but, I think it hurts. They're not winning the championship, though. The, the teams depth that are winning the championship of the, uh, of the elite, like Bama and Georgia and Texas, potentially. You know what I mean? Like I think it. I think that's going to hurt those teams a little but bit. Doesn't the money, even with this new NCAA rule or subdivision or whatever, where you have to have a minimum sort of pay-to-play threshold of thirty grand a year? It's about seven to ten million dollars investment in your athletic department to sort of be in this new subdivision that's coming potentially from the NCAA, isn't that still just the same? Isn't the money, the teams that are capitalizing on all these things and competing at the highest levels, aren't they still just the same teams? Like, isn't it still like, I guess ultimately the question is Arkansas, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Missouri, Kentucky, that second tier that's not on the national championship tier. Sure. They can get into the playoff, but they're not winning national titles and and their money is still different than than Alabama's money. Because you can't you can't win three playoff games without top five talent. You can't do it. Has that been proven? I, I again, I think forty years of data will tell you that you cannot. We haven't had the playoff for forty. We haven't even had the expanded one yet. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't think. I think we have to rewrite the rules with NIL and transfer portal and all this. And and this is a case I made. I mean, so many people got mad. You know, South Carolina fans, Kentucky fans, by God, we're adding Texas and Oklahoma. We couldn't win the league then. How in the hell are we going to win it now? And the case I made, you just wait and see. I mean, are you going to go to, you know, there there are times where Arkansas loses a recruiting battle to TCU or Oklahoma State or just, you know, a school of that nature. I think as we get closer and closer to this thing, I, I think that's going to happen less and less and less because it's going to be SEC, and I guess you could throw Big Ten, but I don't really think so. It's going to be SEC and everybody. I mean, it's like isn't SEC it already is like that though? Not not to where it's going to be. Because I mean, they, they've won. They, how do you get more dominant than winning every single championship? I, I don't I don't understand. 
that you have what I just said, Arkansas not losing ba recruiting battles to, to Baylor, to TCU, to Oklahoma State. You don't have Kentucky losing recruiting battles to Illinois, Iowa. That doesn't happen very often, though. Uh, I, I think it does. Not on the whole. Not on the whole. Look at the recruiting ranking. Look at the team rankings over the last eight years. Mm -hmm. Arkansas is not behind TCU and Baylor. They're ahead of them. Kentucky is ahead of Illinois is not even a top 50 recruiter. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying names, but I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking of schools around there that they have Michigan state. I mean, hell, well, they're big 10, but again, who the hell wants to go to big 10? You know what I mean? They, they well, never a lot win of, anything. A lot of people want to go to the big 10. Um, but what's interesting is I still don't think, and I think this is kind of, I think it's kind of proven. I mean, I think even Missouri and Ole Miss Lane Kiffin proved it this year. You have to beat not only like Ole Miss. What, what was Ole Miss's problem this year? They were not competitive in two games. Uh, they were not competitive against Alabama, and they were not competitive against Georgia. Why? Lane Kiffin told us. Didn't have good enough players. Why is it that the, all of a sudden that that team, 10-2 and two next year, I, I agree with you. I think they're a great candidate to make the playoff next year. I think they absolutely could. They could absolutely go 11-1 and one or even 10-2 and two and make the playoff. But if you are not competitive with Alabama and Georgia because of the recruits, because of the depth of talent, not nothing to do with quarterback play, nothing to do with coaching, nothing to do with schedule. It's about depth of talent. There's no way you're going to then beat Georgia three times in a row, which is what you have to do to win the playoff. You have to win. Like right now, if if, if, if Ole Miss got into the playoff this year, they would play Georgia in, in the first round. With an injured the, Brock Bowers, with an injured Lad McConkey. They lost by 50, with, dude. With an injured Noah Mary. Okay, Mims. okay. All right. That's, How about I this? Mean, that's, that's why they lost to Bama. How about you this? Know? How about that? Oh, stop. How about this? They, they pull a miracle upset. Mm -hmm. And they beat Georgia in the first round on the road in Athens in a playoff game. Their next two games are going to be like Texas and then Michigan or Texas and uh, oh, Alabama Come on, or man. Ohio State and Alabama. Like they, it, it, the, the key, we are tricking ourselves into thinking that these teams have a chance to win the national title. They absolutely can get into the playoff and they can pull an upset or two. But you cannot tell me like, I love you, Missouri, and I'll get to you in a second, uh, MIZ, because you're talking about these blue bloods being old. It's It's about national championship dna like do you have the foundational support to to win a national championship a&m for example has it i don't think missouri does because i don't think you can build an entire team out of just missouri players and and beat alabama the, the alabama of the year every year we this playoff is just tricking us into thinking that the game is more balanced it is not it is still going to be the same 12 or 14 teams that win the national championship every year it's still the same programs that have all the money and the best players we're just opening up the tournament to allow for a few upsets to happen and bring in some other other teams: Kentucky, Ole Miss, Arkansas, South Carolina, Missouri. Does that make sense? Uh, well, I mean, I I guess, but I mean that that's not been proven. So it's nice to sit here and say that, but I'm going to let it play out. I'll be optimistic that, that a team can get hot. <laughs> Hell, we just saw TCU somehow make the championship, and yeah, and we know how that ended. You know what I mean? But hell, I think eight team, eight SEC teams would have beat TCU last year. You know I what agree. I mean? Like, I agree. So get the hell out of here with those Joker teams. But what what happened to your point? What if uh, you know Ole Miss faces Georgia and and their best offensive weapons are limited here, and we, they pull an upset? Okay, what about the next game? Jackson Dart just plays out of his mind and, and completes like ninety percent of his passes, and you know they can pull off another upset. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. I, 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 don't I can know. see it happening. I, I I think you're asking a lot of a like 
I still think the team, he who has the gold gets the players, and he who has the players wins the championship. That, that has always been the rule in college football. Now, MIZ, SEC, you're saying, you're talking about Blue Bloods, and my, my, my theory on national championship DNA has nothing to do with 1930, which is what his, his joke is. It's about the modern era of college football, which truly is like 98 to today, 2000 to today, internet and exploding resources to today. You need two things to win a national championship. And, and it goes along with a lot of other stuff. You need great coaching and development. You probably need a little luck. You need all that stuff. But you need two things at the start of it all. You need access to players and you need unlimited resources. If you have those two things, you are one of the 15 teams that has won every national championship since 1992. Not one team without those things has won a national championship since 1992. That is not a couple of years of data. It's 40 years of data or 30 years of data, 35 years of data. I love watching these teams get a chance to make the playoff. And I think, honestly, I think A&M is a team that next year could have the things it needs to jump up really fast and make a really dangerous run. But can, And I think they have national championship DNA. I think Ole Miss is there. I think Missouri's there. I don't think Tennessee's there yet. I don't think Kentucky's there yet. I, I, I don't think Florida, their schedule's too hard, so I'm not picking Florida to jump up and win a bunch of games. But I think A&M could be there. But the reason A&M could be there, and you've pointed this out on the show before, Mike Elko takes over a better situation with better players than any other coach other than, like, what, two or three guys ever? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but, again, that was – all the theories and all the talking that's on a format that we don't play under anymore. So I'm just saying new format, new variables. I don't know. I, I I'm optimistic that it can change something. And, and I, I get the point you're making cause it's, it's a valid one, but I'm not closing the door on 95% of college football <laughs> here on December 12th. <laughs> I'm opening the door to 100% of y'all. Let's see Let's see how this plays out. You know what no, I mean? What, I, I do know what you mean. It, what it is is it's two doors. It's two doors to two different rooms. Mm-hmm. There is a there, there, there was a four-team room right here with a door, and you, it was a tiny little room. Only four people could fit in there, and only the best of the best got in there. Now, right. there's, like an, now there's like a waiting room. And there's a waiting room around that room that is a larger doorway for 12 teams to get in. But there's st- it's still going to take the – you still have to win two games to get into that final room. And and I just don't know if – I don't like – like we're talking about this Washington team not being able to beat Texas. And you laugh when I say, oh, can they beat Texas and then Alabama? And you're like, whatever, Washington. And Washington's really good. So – like but those they like, ain't SEC. They'd be – they went seven games in the SEC. You know? Okay, let me let me back That's up. That's how I think about all these teams. You're saying the argument is that Ole Miss and Missouri and Kentucky and Tennessee all have had 10 win seasons in the last few years and would have made the playoff in those seasons, but have not recruited at all like the top five classes that the teams who eventually win. Like they're more in like the top 15 range in recruiting, right? And certainly Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Missouri are not even top 15 range. Tennessee kind of is. You're saying that the difference in the playoff era is that those teams have a greater chance of knocking off and winning three straight games just because they happen to be in the SEC? Um, I mean, I'm just saying that they're they're you you're already you're saying they're top fifteen, top twenty. I'm saying within three years, four years, they're going to be. 
top 10 ish. You're saying Ole Miss and Missouri and Kentucky are recruiting in the top 10 because of the 12 team playoff and being in the SEC. I don't, I don't think it's recruiting. I think it's top 10 ish rosters. However you want to break that down because people are not elite players are not going to want to play in a big 12 pack 12 pack 12. I don't even think it's going to exist anymore. You know what I mean? Like, ACC, we just saw an undefeated ACC get left out. I mean, no one respects them. And again, I, I'm not saying they're going to just rule the recruiting rankings, but it, let's well, they say already, you're, they do already. Let's say you're a really good quarterback at, and again, I'm just completely hypothetical all of this, but let's say you're you're awesome at Syracuse, and then all of a sudden Lane Kiffin offers you, hey, you want to come to Ole Miss? Boom, there you go. You know, I think that's going to be happening at Arkansas, at Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, on and on and on, and Oklahoma, Texas. They're, we're just going to raid all the best talent. They're all going to want to play in the SEC. And, this and is Big the, Ten because of the money. Not the Big Ten. This is the proving ground for the NFL, and I, I think this is where all the all the people are going to want to play. I really do. Uh, interesting comment here, um, and Miz. I, I, I appreciate you fighting this fight. You're, you're factually incorrect on everything, but I appreciate it. Uh, Nebraska won a lot thirty or forty years ago. Again, before internet recruiting and official rules of official visits took over the game and changed the way recruiting mattered, Nebraska could before Prop Forty Eight, before all these rule changes, where where Tom Osborne had three hundred players on his roster and could just pay for everybody from Texas to come up to visit him. That the rules have changed since then. You can't you can't do it anymore. And the six hour radius around Lincoln doesn't have any players. You got to have access to players. In the modern era, you need a six hour radius where there are a bunch of dudes in your area. Now, I will say this, Eric, high school recruit. He says this. He says high school recruiting isn't nearly as important as it used to be, thanks to the transfer portal. These five star kids are are learning that going to a blue blood isn't necessarily your golden ticket. I think that's ultimately kind of what you're saying. Like you can go play at the best program in the ACC or the Big 12, or you can come play at like a middle of the pack program in the SEC and maybe win 10 games and go to the playoff. But every single team that wins a national championship that is capable of winning three games, three games in the playoff, you have to win three times and your conference championship game probably to some degree. The teams that are going to win the national championship are going to be built in recruiting. That's it. It's not going to change. Like, look at the teams that are built through the portal. It's really up and down. It's random. You do, and they and what did Lane Kiffin say? He said, "I don't have enough five stars. They don't." Mm. And and that's why they got their ass kicked by Alabama and Georgia this year because they don't have enough five stars. I don't make the rules, guys. Yeah, but it's he just, didn't. He didn't say any of games. that before he got his ass kicked, did he? He just talked shit about Bama first, well, and of then course. he just Lane needed Kiffin. he just needed an excuse. You know, I mean, he's. <laughs> He's just being a loser is what is he was it, doing. Well, is it an excuse when it's happened every single time for 35 years? It's not an excuse. Again, when it doesn't it's matter what happened 35 years ago, Braden. You just said it to the Nebraska guy. that We're going into a new era, and what happens if you, you're a five-star at Alabama or Georgia and you don't see the field, you leave. That's already been happening. That it, already happened. No, the transfer portal NIL is, is brand new, Braden. No, but and I'm saying the five-star who's not Brock good enough Vandegriff. to – Dude, the five-star that's not ago, good enough to play this, for Nick Saban has been transferring out for 15 years. Is Brock Vandegrift 20 years ago, is he leaving Georgia to, to Just, go immediately play at a at a no longer a division rival, but a conference Just, rival? Justin this Fields is, left. This is Georgia, all Georgia new. won two titles. This is all new, you know? And if, when Saban retires, which is coming right around the corner, 
I think that kind of Alabama still can be very, very good, but they're not going to be dominant, you know? And I, 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 I agree I, with I your statement that, point. I think, I think that opens it up a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not foolish enough to sit here and say South Carolina is going to be annually in the playoff or anything like that. But I, I just think that you can get hot. You know what I mean? If, if you if you build it up right. And I, I just think everybody in the SEC is going to be better because I don't disagree with to come here. I don't disagree with I don't disagree with you there. I, I, I they're already better. I mean, I, I would argue they're already deeper and better. They have more NFL draft picks for like 18 years in a row. They have mm-hmm. the highest recruiting rankings from top to bottom. They've won all the national championships. Like, I, I don't think there's an argument there. They have more resources and more fans than anybody else in college football. Like, there's no argument there. But but Big Blue asked the question, like, why can't Kentucky ever be a top-tier program? And I, like, I, I'm not saying never, but until you are recruiting a top-10 class, recruiting, not portal, but recruiting a top-10 class every single year, for like five years straight, then you mix in some good portal, then you mix in having an elite coach, then you mix in probably having a hit on your quarterback, then you mix in some luck, because even every everybody needs a little bit of luck in, in, to win a championship. You, you have to have – it's winning a college football national championship is 1-85. to 85. It's not 1-22 to 22 deep. It's 1-85 to 85 deep. you got to be good everywhere and like three deep to win the title. And look, I – we can debate on whether or not that's going to happen for Ole Miss or Kentucky or Missouri, but we've seen history shows dozens of programs in the upper middle class of college football can get to 10 wins, a lot of them. And those teams will get into the playoff, and that is a great thing for the sport. But those teams have never been able to win three straight in that situation. And I know what you're going to say. Well, this has never happened before. If they were good enough to win three straight, they wouldn't have gone 10-2. and two. I think uh, what would help Kentucky's case if they didn't have a C coach. <laughs> uh, he hey, loses to look. South Carolina, he turns around and beats Louisville. I mean, that's that's Mark Stoops for you. He's average. He loses games he shouldn't. He wins games he shouldn't. And then he's just middle of the road. How about how about this for a very weird exercise? What if you put Nick Saban, like pr- prime Nick Saban, like he's, you know, whatever, 2015 Nick Saban, whatever. 2020 Nick Saban. I don't know. You put Nick Saban at every single job in the SEC, and all of a sudden the coaching is equal. They're all Nick Saban. There's 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 16 Nick Sabans, and they're all coaching. What then becomes the difference? Your resources and your geography. Those are the things that become the difference. And the reason the SEC has been the most dominant conference is because all of the money and all of the players are in this area of the country. The reason Penn State hasn't won a national championship in long in a long time is because all the population left the state and moved south. The the players aren't there. You got to have we got to recruit players. So I don't maybe again, maybe you're right, maybe Thank you. Thank you. Arkansas I'm... gets their superstar coach, maybe that's Sam Pittman, who knows. They get their superstar coach. They're Nick Saban. Dion. And he's so good that they're recruiting top 12 classes. I mean, but again, this is actually interesting because I think it's a parallel to what Ole Miss just dealt with with Lane Kiffin. Bobby Petrino's team at Arkansas was elite, right? One of the best Arkansas teams of all time. Mm-hmm. They were not close to Bama or LSU. <laughs> they were not close. I think they won 10 games that year, and they might have been the third best team in America, but they were not close. I think they Alabama. beat LSU one of those years. They were not close sure. to the national champion. That, that, I think they Alabama. won 11 one year, didn't they? 
He might have. Maybe in a bowl game? I have to double check that. Yeah, maybe. Well, it just came up short that one game, Brayton. I wouldn't demoralize the entire program because they lost Sorry. to Sorry. the dynasty. You, know? you all are – you get a national championship, Arkansas, and you get a national championship, yeah, Missouri. Yeah, that's, Kentucky, yeah, that's what I want. Kentucky, you can be the best program in the history of the world <laughs> without any NIL money. It's totally fine. <laughs> South Carolina, zero track record of winning a single fucking thing ever. You know what? You get a national championship. You don't. You only have one division title in thirty years, but know what? You're going to get a national championship. That wasn't so hard, was it? <laughs> that wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. I like Ole Miss, Missouri, and Texas A&M. Those are the three that I like to get that could challenge ten and two, and could challenge for a playoff spot. Because I think Alabama, Georgia are there already. I, I think LSU's in that conversation as well. What if Nico's awesome? Would you throw Tennessee in there? Maybe, but not quite I, yet. Because I think the maybe. defense despite what some people seem to think continues to take strides elite <laughs> running game I, I like i like where you're going i think nico has to be great and i think you're asking a lot in in year one uh bobby says alabama was arkansas before Saban. i must have missed all of the national championships that arkansas won <laughs> in the 70s well, there, 80s I mean, and 90s there are plenty of uh examples Braden, of of quarterbacks <laughs> redshirt freshmen be, being awesome yeah. right out the gate right no you're right you're right marcus two, Mariota, johnny manziel Tua was very, very Tua. good um, in his first year as a starter. Jalen Hurts was great as a freshman, one SEC freshman of the year, mm-hmm. right? Um, Trevor Lawrence was great after he took over the job halfway through for Clemson, uh, elite player uh, at that place as well. Um, yeah, no, I, it's very possible, and I think he's got all the tools to be great. I think there, I think there's a little bit of work to be done, but I think, I think Tennessee, Tennessee and LSU are sort of like in the uh, maybe. Because if their quarterback hits, they could be very, very good. But from a talent standpoint, A&M is the argument there. And then from like a stability and structure standpoint, it's Ole Miss and Missouri, right? Like they're already there, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't think Florida's there yet, even with Mertz coming back. I think they need to recruit way, way, way better players before they... They might jump up and win eight games, but I'm not picking them to go like nine and three or anything like that. Their schedule is nasty. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nasty. Yeah, I can't wait for the schedule release here on Wednesday. We've already seen all the games. We already know who they're all playing. No, it's not official till I've seen it, Brayden. I, I know the dates. I think Mississippi State and Ole Miss are going to play on Thanksgiving. I need something to overreact <laughs> to. You know what? Where can people find you when you overreact? Uh, I don't know. That that SEC podcast on all, all platforms there you and go. YouTubes. 440 Sports uh, as well. So if you're watching over on the that SEC podcast, come on over to 440 Sports. We've got a lot of stuff planned for you uh, during the holidays. Bowl previews, ranking the programs, doing the exact stuff that we actually just talked about, to be honest with you. Um, and so, a lot of Steven Lassen. He's all over both channels. Steven Lassen, baby. Yeah. We should just rename the show Steven Lassen channels, one and two. <laughs> That'd be funny. Workshop, let's workshop your, your live comedy bits. How about <laughs> let's do that uh to all you guys uh listening and watching uh here's what i will say i'll make one tiny request that doesn't have to do with rating reviewing subscribing and giving us a subscription Uh, i will say um if you would like to help out with mike and i's area following a really really nasty tornado storm over the weekend um go to united way of middle tennessee and if you want to throw a couple bucks at the United Way of Middle Tennessee, that's the only charity that's sort of guaranteed every penny goes to help out the tornado victims of Hendersonville, Madison, and uh, Clarksville. I know you guys are a super awesome community. It was five miles away from my house. My daughters were in the closet with with me and my wife and the dog, pretty scared. And 
So there's people that need help. Uh, so if you want to check out the United Way of Middle Tennessee, throw a couple bucks uh, at somebody. That would be a, a really nice help and uh, a, a great way to sort of activate um, the 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 sort of audience that you've built here, Mike. So just want to throw that out there. Um, there's some kids that died in this thing. Like it's it's really sad. So uh, if you could help out, um, you know, every every penny counts, even if it's just a couple bucks, five bucks here. Six bucks there, 10 bucks there, whatever. Um, so we do appreciate you guys. Uh, other than that, thank you for listening. Check out the 440 Sports YouTube page. Got a lot of stuff coming for you. That is SEC Mike. I am Braden Gall. Swing your sword, boys. Swing your sword. We will talk to you next week.